welcome back, guys, to another off-season episode of Aggie Hoops Weekly. Today we have SB Nation Barking Carnival writer Bitter White Guy to talk about the upcoming A&M Texas game, which was recently announced in Fort Worth on December 8th. This is a fun one. Let's go. Welcome back to Aggie Hoops Weekly. This is our second episode in, in one week in the off season, so you might be wondering what in the world is going on. But as we mentioned earlier this week, the Aggies announced that they have renewed their rivalry on the hardwood with Texas. And uh, your your initial thoughts on on the Aggies renewing their rivalry with the Longhorns? I think it's great. Um, we we spoke at, at length like about how badly the program needs a reason to get people engaged before the Christmas break, and that's exactly what this is going to do. They announced the date for December 8th. It's going to be at a brand spanking new facility in Fort Worth, and anything that can draw Texas eyeballs to these two college basketball it before the new year is, is awesome for me because quite honestly, it doesn't happen often. So uh, I, I do wish it could be something we set up annually, and maybe it will. Maybe it's just kind of a test run, but... I think I'm, I'm always for any sort of big basketball game before the conference slate starts. I'm always for A&M and Texas playing and pretty much anything. So from those two, you know, checks both of those boxes. I think it's a great idea, and I hope I can make it. But even if I can't, I'm sure that game will be well attended and it should be a an atmosphere better than most that the Dickey Center will see from that point, I would guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, being a Metroplex resident, you know, there's there's quite a bit of buzz about this arena. You know, it's it's actually already scheduled to be hosting NCAA tournament games a few years after it opens. So I think from what I've heard and from what I've seen, I, you know, as I'm driving west through Fort Worth, you you know, on, on I-30, you see it off in the distance by Will Rogers. So I, I think that there's, you know, it's going to be a nice venue. I think that there's a lot of buzz about this game. And I think that it's going to be a good opportunity to generate some interest in the basketball program. And so let's unpack that. Let's let's throw it now to our discussion with uh, Bitter White Guy from SB Nation site Barking Carnival to talk about the rivalry, the game itself, and how nice it's going to be just to see these two schools playing each other in anything again. Uh, let's give it a shot. It's a fun conversation. Okay, we have a very special guest joining us now from Barking Carnival, the Texas SB Nation site. We have Bitter White Guy, <laughs> basketball writer extraordinaire, but we're going to we're gonna go with a brief departure from Twitter stage names, and we're going to call him by his real name, which is Johnny. Thank you for joining us, Johnny. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, the reason you're here is pretty straightforward, uh, as many on the pod will probably be aware. Uh, the A&M Athletic Department and Texas Athletic Department jointly announced a upcoming non-conference game between the two teams at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth on December 8th. So I guess I'll launch into the easy opening question. What was the reception from your fan base to that news? Well, I, I'd like to start by saying that um, even though the uh, the relationship between uh, UT and A&M has been somewhat frosty over the last seven plus years, um, it's nice to see them come together and, and, and give each other something. Um, like it's, it's nice to see that, uh, A&M is giving Texas fans an up close look at their next, uh, basketball coach. Um, and it's nice that Texas gave A&M fans something to do during conference championship weekend in the football season. So. Oh, come on. Oh, we're going to start oh, there. It is. <laughs> there it is. I figured we'd get through at least like three minutes of pleasantries, but <laughs> no, no, I get that's, that's all the shots I got. I, I just had to get them out ahead of time and then we could talk about stuff. Um, you know, we'd be disappointed if you didn't. So yeah, yeah, no, it, um, 
It's it's. I would say the reaction has been relatively muted just because the reaction to everything Texas basketball has been relatively muted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, there's sort of, it's the same general battle lines of some people think, oh, well, you know, we we should never play again in anything. And some people are like, no, screw that. We need to play them in everything. And then there's, you know, people in between and, so it's it's sort of the same battle lines that it is for any other sport. Um, personally, I'm I'm sort of I could go either way on it. I'm I'm fine that they did it. Uh, I, I'm not gonna you know stand on some sort of pedestal and and scream about you know big brother little brother or some sort of righteous whatever. Um, you know if they want to play each other, great. Uh, if they don't want to play each other, great. But it it'll be I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I already feel like it's pretty certain bet that that arena is going to be like at least 70 percent percent AM fans between the relative uh i don't know malaise texas fans i sort of have about shaka right now combined with uh, a&m fans being free of kennedy and getting buzz williams I, I feel like the uh the the tickets that will be sold will probably be heavily tilted towards a&m well i think at, at a high enough level i think the the biggest plus to this game is that you generally need any help you can get engaging the fan base before Christmas if you're a college basketball fan in the South, right? True. Because we, we've both, on both sides of this fence, we've both seen it time and time again. The fan base really doesn't check in until the college football playoff wraps up, right? And so yeah. I feel like anything you can do to get on the calendar, to get to get in people's heads that college basketball actually does exist before Christmas break is a win for both programs. So I'm happy they did it. I will say I would prefer a home and home. I always prefer a home and home. I just, I'm a college campus guy. I think that's just a better product, but this is better than nothing. So I'll take it. Yeah, that's fair. And I think, um, to, to your point, I, I assume that this got brought together because Dickey's arena, which I'm pretty sure is, hasn't even opened yet is, um, they're, they're willing to throw a, you know, a truckload of money at both schools. And so they're like, yes, yeah, sure. We'll do this at Dickie's arena that nobody's seen yet. <laughs> um, this, this should be great. Um, I, I don't, I don't necessarily expect to sell it, but you know, if they get it even half full, that that'd probably be progress. And it, uh, yeah, just one quick note. It does, it's not open yet and it opens in November and it holds around 13,000. So, uh, and, and to your point about money, the, you know, for the various differences our school may have schools may have, we love money. We both love money. And that's the easiest way to get either one of us to do anything. So We've I would imagine got expensive probably the... coaches to pay for. So yes, anything that brings yeah. money. So you mentioned the, the general disenchantment with, with Shaka. Um, give, give us a rundown on, on the 2018-2019 season and, and how Texas fared in their campaign. If I had to um, put a, a title on this book, it would be less than the sum of its parts. Um, it was... A season where uh, they expected to maybe not contend for the Big 12 title, but be in the be in the discussion. Um, they they had high hopes, especially after that North Carolina win in Vegas. Um, the and they they beat the brakes off Michigan State for a half, and then got the brakes beaten off them by Michigan State for a half. So it was sort of an up and down game. Um, but then, uh, you know, a, a fan base that was wanting something to cheer for watched uh, Shaka lose to VCU. Um, and then he lost to, I forget who the next game was, uh, Providence, I think it was. Um, and sort of all the air went out of the building and they just sort of hovered around 500 for the rest of the season. And, and really, you know, fans just checked out because it's now, 
it's his fourth season. Uh, he missed the NCAA tournament for the second time, which, you know, Rick Barnes missed it once his entire 19 years or whatever at Texas. So, um, or it wasn't 19 years. It was a long time. Um, you know, he, he missed the, t- the tournament once. Shaka missed it twice. Um, plus, they had that 11-win season a couple of years ago that was just, you know, a lot of people have punched out on Shaka. Um, and, and understandably so. Like, the, this year for him is going to be probably put up or shut up. And so um, if he is going to continue being the Texas coach, uh, he is going to have to show something. And um, beating A&M would probably be a good start, uh, regardless of, uh, A&M's a- actual basketball ability. You know, we, we don't know how good the team's going to be yet. Cause you still have, I think you said two thirds of a roster. So, um, but it's, you know, things kind of picked up with the NIT run. They won that NIT. And, and honestly, the, that five game stretch was the best basketball they played all year. Um, which, is sort of uh, equal parts exhilarating and infuriating because you think, wow, look at how they played for those five games. And then that five-game stretch was um, equal parts uh, exhilarating and infuriating because they played that well for five straight games, and why the hell could they not play that well for five straight games uh, at any other point in the season? So um, the best way I'd say to put it is they may not have the apathy that uh, A&M fans had in the last year or two of Billy Kennedy's tenure, but uh, it's probably getting closer to that than not. I don't really know what's what's in store for you guys next. I have to say, I loved the hire, and I'm still not entirely sure why it didn't work, but college sports are a fickle business, so there's no telling why the various hires do or don't land. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's fair to know. say, like, it's, uh, you know, the thing is with Shaka is he has struggled for reasons in and out of his control. Like, whoever was going to take over after Barnes was going to be dealing with a time bomb on the depth chart because uh, Shaka's first season, uh, at the end of that season, he lost his top seven players. It was six seniors and a junior that went pro. And so anybody who's trying to fill that sort of roster situation is going to have some bumps and bruises. And the fact that Shaka missed out on De'Aaron Fox meant that he had to go with a couple guys who were not point guards and try and make them into point guards and it failed miserably. And that that's when they had the 11 win season. And that's when a lot of people were like, well, what the hell? And, you know, he, he's been trying to build the thing back up from there. And, you know, some of the problems are, are his fault. Some of them are not necessarily his fault. Um, but at the end of the day, he's the head coach. So, um, I, I think one of the other reasons why it's put up or shut up time for him is because, uh, he doesn't this is going to be basically the roster for the next two seasons like they have zero seniors um they don't have anybody that looks like a surefire you know one and done type guy for the first time in a while so if he can't get it done with this roster this year then why would they think he's going to have more success the next year with basically the same exact guys so it's a it's a very high leverage uh season for him um and we'll we'll see where it goes but um i I don't think they're that far off. Like if you look at a lot of the metrics, um, you know, in Pomeroy, they, they spent the entire season somewhere around 25 to 30. So they were playing like a top 25 team or, or nearly top 25 team uh, for most of the season. They just weren't getting the wins to, to back it up. And, you know, ultimately wins matter. And that may be what, what does it for them. But it's just it's been frustrating for me because I've seen how close they were. I mean, you take, for example, uh, 
they had a 19 point lead at Baylor that they gave up. And if they make one more shot there, uh, there was a, another game uh, against Kansas where they had a three to win it in, in Kansas. You flip those two games, they go from sixth to third in the final standings and everybody's mm-hmm. talking a different game, you know? So it's like, it's, it's not an excuse because at the end of the day, you got to win those games, but it feel that's the frustrating part for me is because I see that they're that close to actually doing something, but I don't know if they're ever actually going to do what they're supposed to do. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think it was one of those things. You guys had a 16-loss team, but you had very, very few blowouts. I think there were only a few blowout losses against Tech, TCU, and... I think that was really it. You know, there were a lot yeah. of two point, three point losses, one possession games that you guys were right in the thick of things, and it just the the bra- the breaks didn't go your way. So yeah, and the season before they broke their they broke their team record for overtime games. The season before they had like nine, I think, including the one they lost to Nevada in the NCAA tournament. So it's like they just seem to be right on that knife's edge for the entire last two seasons. And it's just it's not come up for them uh, enough times. Yeah. The, the game that I think that was most bewildering in, in your season for me was the loss against Georgia. Yes, uh. it was at Georgia, <laughs> but Georgia yeah. was the, was the clearly the, the worst team or well, eh, they, they'd give Vandy a good run for their money on, on the title of worst team in the sec last year. And, I, I a ten point loss for you guys in Athens was just. I, David and I were kind of scratching our heads at that one. They they created something like twenty seven turnovers. Uh, Georgia turned the ball over like twenty seven times and won that game by ten. Like it was the most just infuriating game because it's like watching. I don't know. It's like a rec league game or something. You just guys are throwing the ball all over the place and. It's just yeah, that was that was the worst loss of the season. I I, I know they lost to lower ranked teams than Georgia, but that one was the one that just I I just I was like I'm just gonna go take a walk for an hour or something. <laughs> like, like I just I need to I I don't even want to write this recap. Like I, I think the recap I wrote was like 400 words long, and I said something to the effect of I'm gonna put as much effort into this recap as Texas did into the game. Hmm. So. Um, yeah, I took about I, a dozen of those walks this last year. I'm, I'm quite yeah. familiar. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We know, we know the sports walk. Yes. 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 Very um, much so. So, so this NIT run at the end of the season, how much do you think that played a factor into keeping Shaka? Do you think he was, he was close because from an Aggie perspective, everyone knew it was no secret that Buzz Williams was option one, one A and one B on our, our coaching hire list. Um, but there was a there were a lot of nervous people who wondered if if Shaka lost his job, was Texas also going to make a run at Buzz? So how close do you think? Uh, how, how close do you think that you guys were to, to getting rid of Shaka and going in another direction? So uh, just so that we could sort of set the stage here, um, Shaka was never in danger of losing his job, and there are there are thirteen million reasons why because. His contract is fully guaranteed, and Texas would have had to pay him $13 million to go away. And even though Texas makes a ton of money, uh, basketball does not make a ton of money. The vast majority of that is football. And and when you consider—and this is why the sort of the whole Chris Beard nonsense was a non-starter is because you had to consider Texas had to pay $13 million to Shaka. They would have had to pay $6 million of Beard's buyout— 
and then his assistance buyouts. And and that's before you even pay him dollar one. So you're talking about Texas paying nearly $20 million just to get a guy through the door, which they're not going to do for basketball. I mean, let's, let's be honest. So really what, what came about and, and what started to happen towards the end of the regular season is that there were a lot of things that were swirling around that Shaka was getting frustrated and he was willing to consider going somewhere else. And basically what would happen in that situation is, um, let's say, you know, uh, St. Joseph's was one of the names, or, or actually Wake Forest was the big name being mentioned at the time because people thought Danny Manning was going to get canned. Um, if Wake Forest comes in and says, we'll offer Shaka $2 million a year for four years, then that's $8 million off of what Texas would owe him. Basically, he'd get offset. Uh, they, or Texas would get offset by whatever the other school paid him. So in that case, now Texas owes him $5 million, and then a guy like Beard or Buzz or whoever becomes a lot more attractive. But throughout the entirety of this, the cards were in Shaka's hands. It was if he wanted to go. And there was some talk about him, you know, his agent was putting out feelers um, to, to see if he would, if there was anything out there that 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 got his interest. But I really think the NIT run... Um, kind of pulled him back off the ledge, and he said, "No, you know, this is what I've wanted to see from these guys. They're clearly capable of it. They've they've seen, you know, this is what we've been wanting the entire time. And I, now I think I can make it work. Uh, you know, it's not a lost cause or whatever. And so that's that's why uh, things sort of fell apart um, in terms of him being gone. Um, but at the end of this year, uh, he's owed about three million less." And every season that goes by, that number gets more palatable for uh, for CDC and UT. So, um, so yeah, that's 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 generally why he never he did not leave. Uh, he was never going to get fired because Texas was not going to cut that check. Fair enough. And I've really got just one more remaining. Um, I want to bring things back to the Texas versus A and M charity game if you want to call it that the charity exhibition game uh the hurricane harvey relief game do you guys remember that from a couple of years ago yeah so I, I don't know did you have a chance to to go were you in attendance for that one no no i was not so I, I was able i was able to make the drive down and go and it was kind of a fascinating snapshot into the rivalry and I, and you know give me a, a minute here and he- hear me out because the first three-fourths of the game was kind of exactly what you figure it would be it was like a charity exhibition this thing we were just happy to go and, and help with. Uh, I went, like the group I went to the game with was half Aggies, half Longhorns. We were, everything was like very cordial. Everyone was just like paying attention to the game, just hanging out, having a good time. And then with about 10 minutes left in the second half, uh, there was a shoving match on the court that erupted between the two teams and like the benches cleared and had to get separated. Mm-hmm. And then everyone dropped the bullshit. Like everybody dropped the facade and everyone, it was just like, we were all everyone in the building was allowed to dislike each other again. And so for the last <laughs> 10 minutes in this like dumb, meaningless charity exhibition, it was freaking loud, like both possessions and like me and the people we came to the game. Like we're not even talking to each other anymore. Now, all of a sudden, like this dumb game now. Now it matters. Right. It, it's and like so, the with those uh, Thanksgiving family football games where somebody finally gets tackled hard. You're like, OK, all right. Yes. Yeah, some, somebody great analogy. Blood. Yeah. yeah. And then so that that's the sort of thing. I think games like this can kind of bring back. Sometimes you almost need a reminder of what it felt like to just hate the burn orange thing in front of you, or to really dislike the maroon team that's trying. To, you know, like it's just if we don't event, if we don't continue to put it on the field or on the court in some format, it's going to die forever, right? Because we both schools right. already have 
years and years of people that have come through five years, four years on campus without seeing a game between the two teams in football. So I think stuff like this is important, and I hope it's not a one-off, but even if it is, at least people can you know, maybe get their first taste of watching these two schools play each other on the basketball court again. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, it it was, uh, as, as much as there's sort of the, you know, all this extraneous BS about who wants to play who and who doesn't want to play who or whatever, um, it's better for the state when both programs are good uh, because there's, I mean, there's enough basketball players to go around, so it's not like there's this scarcity of talent. But, um, you know, th- those games against, like, KD and AC Law and all those games back in the day, those were great to watch. You know, those those are those are fun games. And um, you know, that's that's fun basketball. And, you know, right now I I don't know if AM really has an SEC rival in basketball per se. I mean, I'm sure you guys hate Kentucky because everybody in the SEC hates Kentucky, but um, you know, it it's it's good for the teams to have some some sort of, you know, marginally bad blood against each other um, or towards each other so that the, that uh, these games can mean something because it's it gets fun that way. Well, maybe this will be the first in a long series of annual basketball games. I certainly hope we're talking to you on an annual basis, and we will definitely bring you back on the show as December 8th approaches. So if Aggies in the DFW area, mark that day on your calendar because A&M and Texas are coming to town to play in the newly minted Dickies Arena. And I don't know, guys. I'm pretty excited about it. So, uh, Johnny, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.